Hello, thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jason Farr. I had a regular episode scheduled for today, but with the current state of things, I decided to push that back a couple of weeks to share what I can share. And I hate when people talk about their platform. It feels like when people speak in third person, so aware of themselves and what they're doing and that they're doing the right thing. But I do recognize that people from places far outside of my circle uh, in other countries even have listened to this podcast. And if I can share something people haven't thought of before, then I'll share it. If you're on social media, you're going to hear different experiences from black people, even varying experiences from within the black community. Also, the U.S. is not the only place on earth where black people face racism. And historically, darker-skinned people of any culture are treated worse than lighter-skinned people of that culture. In America, there were field slaves and they were house slaves. And the house slaves, a lot of times, were lighter-skinned. And that led to a heap of multi-layered tension within the black community some of which is felt even today. Yes, even as a light-skinned black man from the South, I have faced prejudice. Racists still hate me because I'm still black. But I haven't faced the same level or volume of racism as darker-skinned black people have. Which reminds me of a story from college. It was uh, first semester freshman year, I was hanging out with my roommate, Chris Farmer, who I've spoken about on the podcast before. He knew a couple of people from his hometown, and since they were the only people he knew, um, we'd hang out with them. There were two girls who happened to be white, and I didn't really like them so much because they were always weird with me, one in particular. And weird with me in ways that they weren't weird with Chris, who was white. I came to learn these were microaggressions, but at the time I didn't fully understand what was going on. And I got the worst of their weirdness and racism one particular night that helped me put their behavior towards me in perspective. Chris and I were with them and they needed to go to the grocery store. They were roommates. And then one of the girls drove. The other was with her in the front. Chris and I in the back. The one driving stopped at the nearest grocery store, and as soon as she got into a space, the two girls locked eyes on a black family getting out of their car that was nearby. It was just a mom, a dad, and like an 11-year-old boy, a little kid. It was chilly. It was like getting colder, so they were wearing leather coats. All very normal. They were very casual, minding their own business not even noticing us, thankfully, because in the car, the girl driving hadn't even turned the engine off. She just froze as soon as she saw them. And both girls were just frozen. And with like fear on her face, just staring at the family as they walk by and her hand stuck on the wheel, she just goes, I think we should go to another store. And the other girl said, yeah, I think we should. And the driver backed out of the space and left. 
and we drove to another grocery store. I couldn't believe it. I was dumbfounded. Like, did they forget I was here? I remember thinking. I looked over at Chris, clearly angry and shocked, and he was just giving me a look like, that was some bullshit. Like, man, that was insane. Like, I, he was as dumbfounded as I was. And we stopped hanging out with him after that, but it's a pretty eye-opening experience. Now, this was a weird and unpleasant situation for me, but do you notice the difference? The girl's racism was directed at the family. The family didn't experience it, but they were the primary target of that act of racism. It was an indirect act towards me. I probably forgot I was in the car. But I could be in the car with them. The family, they couldn't even be outside the car. This is the difference between how people treat different skin tones. It wasn't a privilege for me to be around these two girls. Being around them meant I dealt with covert white supremacy from them. The privilege I experienced was that I didn't immediately get deemed dangerous just for existing. Some people have expressed that they felt more comfortable around me than around other black people. I, it's like, and it's, it's just unique. All of those other black people are darker than me. So it's like my lighter skin allows me the chance to be in more spaces than darker skinned black people. If you aren't allowing people who look like George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery into your space, but let me in, then you are on a spectrum of racial bias. That's a nice way to put it. The people who murdered them may be much further down the spectrum, well in the area of overt white supremacy, but they're on the same spectrum as people who won't let people who look like George Floyd or Eric Garner or Alton Sterling or Ahmaud Arbery into their space. And be aware, Trayvon Martin and Ahmaud Arbery were killed because they were in the space they were in. A couple of friends of mine who are white have mentioned the many, many times they've gone on to construction sites to look around, just like Arbery did. Uh, Amada Arbery wasn't stalked and killed because he was jogging. He was stalked and killed because he came into what his murderers falsely think is their space. Start asking why there aren't certain people in the spaces you're in like your workspace or your third place space? Why aren't more black people or people of color or LGBTQ or more women at your job or your leagues or your theaters or your scenes? Maybe it's cultural, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, that could be the case. Maybe certain people aren't interested in water polo. I, I don't know, but we just found out that even black men like bird watching in Central Park. So don't give yourself or your spaces a pass based on your assumptions about culture. Especially if you're talking about the comedy scene, that's not something only white men do. If only white men are in your scene, your comedy scene, it's not because, well, well it's just... It, White men just really like comedy. It's not the reason. You need to be asking more questions 
And you need to be calling people out when people say things and do things that are racist. And listen, we know that the white people who harbor racist beliefs feel comfortable speaking more freely with those beliefs when they're around other white people. I've heard it from my white friends. It happens. The jig is up. You don't keep it in your head. You vote with it and you say it when you see there's no one else around but white people. I, I've The racists do that. So many of my white friends have said so. And since white people can get into those spaces far more easily than any black person, it's incumbent upon you to speak up. If you are in these spaces and hear racist sentiments, sentiments, you must push back. You must tell them they're wrong. But be informed first. Listen to people like D-Ray or Rachel Elizabeth Cargill or Dr. Cornell West. There's so many people you can listen to. Thoughtful, intellectual black people aren't hard to find. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to what black people are saying. Listen to how we express how we feel. Understand it and know it so you can properly push back. It's incumbent upon you because they won't listen to us. They never have. We did sit-ins. We marched. We rioted. We gave sermons. We knelt. We said we couldn't breathe. We said we're fed up. We said we're exhausted having to speak out on this all the time. And people who won't let us in their spaces disregarded us. They sent cops on us. The KKK burned crosses, telling us to get out. Everyone knows that people have said, go back to Africa to black people. And it's like, what? Time and time again, they told us we're wrong and to shut up or worse, like they assassinated some of us. I'm glad people are finally hearing us, but hear this. You can't be silent anymore. And posting hashtags this week isn't going to be the end of it. This is an ongoing process that the world has to go to. And you have to continue to call racism out. And yes, it won't always be easy. It will put you in a bad spot with a lot of people, maybe. But black people have been doing it for decades without the support of, of everyone and face the adversity we faced when we spoke up. If we can go through that for decades, then you can have an awkward conversation around a dinner table. If someone tells you that calling them out makes them feel uncomfortable, as many white people actually have said to many black people who called them out, then here's what you say. Good. Or, I don't care. Tell them, you should be uncomfortable because that means you know now that what you did or what you said was wrong. You aren't the victim. Stop it. And let them sit in that and learn. Also, look for places to donate. Go to the NAACP.org. 
You can also find some articles that have organizations you can support and places to check out. I have links in the bio to articles about how you can pitch in. Support Black-owned businesses. You can download apps like Eat Okra app and Black Nation to find who you can support. These are Black-owned businesses, Black-owned restaurants. A note. Extreme white supremacists are going to be coming out of the woodworks to undermine and attack us. If you can get this information, they can too. So be on the lookout and do what you can to protect these businesses, which might get targeted. Everyone, 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 everyone who's on the right side of this. Find ways to support your mental and emotional health. We are in an incredibly odd time. Share what you're doing to keep a healthy mental balance because that can inspire other people. I need to meditate more. I haven't enough this week. The Balance app is what I use, and they have been doing live meditations on their Instagram for a bit, actually, ever since a lot of this COVID stuff was happening. And people were stuck at home, so they stepped up with that. And they are continuing to step up with the unrest that we are experiencing now, the additional unrest. I've been trying to cope with music, and Marvin Gaye's Inner City Blues has really stuck with me. It's so relatable, even though it was made so many decades ago. I suggest listening to every word of that. Weird how it's such an old song, but yet so still so relevant. Also a little bittersweet, I guess. It's like a part of me is like someone else who understands. But a part of me is like, this was written a long time ago and things aren't different. With that, I'll sign off for today. I usually end by saying, be good to each other. This time... Be better to each other. Time is.